1: Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is All Pelicans All the Time. welcome to another episode of in the know on the blue wire podcast network and we are excited to finally kick off a podcast talking about the pelicans number one pick who has finally played a couple of games i know you guys have been waiting for us to talk about this so we're going to make you wait a little bit longer while we do some obnoxious pleasantries to start the podcast
0: and uh what's up man you're in atlanta you can come say hi <laughs> i know that's what i was gonna hear about i just wanted to hear about your trip to guatemala but yeah it was a uh it was a longer week in uh in atlanta for on, on the work side and i had to spend it i'm back uh i'm th- there thursday through tuesday though and I'll, I'll i'm i'm let's let's fix that next time um yeah. but uh but yeah it was a busy day still so got a chance to watch zion's debut at least and even though it was man 9:30 eastern time is not something i i was enjoying and i i feel bad for you in the east coast now for that for games like those
1: this is the singular worst time zone in the united states it it just is
0: but you met charles barkley
1: and i understand
0: you did not ask <laughs> him to be on our pod what's up with that oh uh, yeah i don't know how i didn't mention that yeah so <laughs> when the um i was having dinner with my project team and went to uh and as i'm finishing up um the, the senior guy on our project lands from on his flight he was meeting up with us on on wednesday for a few hours and uh he asked if i I'd go grab a drink while he had dinner i was like yeah sure let's go let's go somewhere and so uh we end up at the at the four seasons hotel bar and restaurant and um we're talking and some guy and just huge this huge dude and jordan sweats walks in i'm like that's that's charles barkley man and so we're like kind of just should we, should we go say hi what do we do and i'm the i'm the shy one. He just. He immediately was like, Yeah, we're going over there right now. And so we went over there and he he's a big Bulls, Bulls fan. He's uh, born and raised in Chicago, I was talking about the nineties Bulls teams, uh, and then um talked a little bit about Boylan. I we talked a little bit about Zion. It was uh it was and he was he was so nice. I did not know what I was getting myself into. I uh, didn't know if he was gonna big time us and just ask us to get out of the way. I'm watching I'm watching the the Mavs Clippers game, but nope, he was uh he, he was the best. It was it was I mean just like a, a few minutes of chatter, but but really, really cool. That sounds
1: that sounds pretty dope. I still think he would have made an excellent
0: guest on the pod, but I guess that's
1: <laughs> my job since I'm in Atlanta. I gotta start working on these TNT yeah, guys. Um, I'm i gonna ask uh, NBA Bo the oh my goodness my mic just fell um, the best commentator the best top ten highlights announcer of all time uh, to to appear on our pod. I think that'll be a fun one. But yeah, so yeah, I went to Guatemala and Guatemala was amazing. I'm gonna spare you guys. The detail by details and just focus on one particular story. I, we went to climb a volcano, Volcan Pacaya. I uh, apologize for my accent or pronunciation. And, and so Pacaya is an active volcano, one of many active volcanoes in Guatemala. And I don't exactly know how, how tall it is, but the climb was pretty strenuous and, and took some time. I think it's about... 5 kilometers so about 3.1 miles um on the way up and then also on, I guess on the way down I, I could be wrong here and and you reach you you start from the bottom and you you climb like through some vegetation and if you're not in shape you can get a horse and a horse will take you up to a certain point and of course i ain't no bitch so i didn't get a horse um <laughs> sorry i don't mean to disparage people like that <laughs> it is wrong i should not use that term um, my bad but we went uh, up to the point where the horses cannot go up anymore and so you reach a point where there's no more vegetation because the lava has has completely destroyed everything and at this point there's a lot of like very fine like broken up lava that horses just can't walk uh, up because it's, it's very slippery it's, it's pretty coarse as well so you leave the horses behind and you climb up and then you reach a point where there's much larger chunks of dried lava And so these are very, very sharp rocks as well. And you kind of have to maneuver through very uneven ground and and do a little bit of semi-rock climbing to get where you need to go. It's as high as you can go. And you eventually reach a point where you can't really climb much further. And there's still like flowing lava underneath this dried lava. So it creates this um, sensation where some of the rocks are insanely hot. And like if you like throw water down some of the cracks, it'll evaporate immediately so we made s'mores on, on on lava and there was a guy at the top of the volcano making pizza on lava and i was, saw
0: this picture for, on your instagram and i was hoping you would talk you would get to this
1: <laughs> yeah it's just this dude was at the top of this active volcano and he had uh, a couple of baking sheets and he had flour and and cheese and he had prego sauce that was his sauce base and he was using the heat from the volcanoes as like a natural like brick oven and then like taking it out of that oven makeshift oven that he had made from from the dried up lava and putting it on more hot rocks to like make the pizza extra crispy at the bottom. And uh, he was making a killing. So this this baking sheet sized pizza was the equivalent of American fifty five dollars, uh, which is a complete rip off given the materials <laughs> probably cost a dollar at most uh, to make that pizza. But, you know, when, is, when are you ever going to have an opportunity to eat a pizza made on top of a volcano? Like, I'm not sure you can do that anywhere else in the world. Like, this guy has got to figure it out, and, and the tourists fall into it. But we, we had to get this pizza. And, and I got to tell you, like, after climbing for so long, like, getting some of that food uh, was, was quite rewarding. And, and it was a really cool experience. So the views were incredible. The climb was incredible. The whole, whole country is, is absolutely beautiful. So if you haven't checked it out, I, re- I definitely recommend it. It's a fairly cheap flight, uh, from new Orleans or Atlanta or anywhere in the
0: South. And
1: yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful country.
0: That's awesome. I got to put it on my list. I'm always like, I'm always trying to find places that we can go travel to. That's not like the the long flight of europe or asia how long did it take to get there i guess that's a good question
1: uh from atlanta it was a three-hour flight
0: yeah so like that that's awesome like we've been we've done like the cancun trips and other beach areas but like finding finding good vacation spots that aren't like you have to plan for like a 10-hour flight is is something i i want to do more of so that's i have to go on the list yeah and it's in central
1: time zone so you're not even getting jet lagged or anything so it's yeah it's great. So, nah. speaking of volcanoes, interruptions. Zion <laughs> Williamson, his first game back. You know, he he. We saw the first three quarters. He was really tentative and hesitant, and then in the fourth quarter, he erupted for seventeen <laughs> points straight, and absolutely brought the house down. Four straight threes. Uh, just one of the most surreal experiences of basketball. I've I've ever had was I was just screaming up
0: and down uh what were were your thoughts what what was going on through your mind first pissed because so I was uh I watched not because of what Zion did I was watching at a at a just a uh sports bar around the corner from my hotel and I left during a commercial break in the fourth quarter, by the time I got back up to my room, I think Zion had poured in most of those points,
1: <laughs> and so so I,
0: I had to pretty much after the game I just said or I can't remember during either during the next commercial break or during or after the game I had to watch those that, those buckets, <laughs> and so like of course like the, it was I was it took me probably five minutes at most to get from the the hotel bar to the or the the, the sports bar to my hotel room, and of course during the, that time. That's all it took, which is kind of makes the point you're trying to make. But the fact that he poured out all those points in such a short time span, it was it was, it was ridiculous. So um, obviously, some growing pains over the first three quarters. And um, but um, you know, I think as all this and the most recent game is a sign of great things to come.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he broke the internet in the span of 180 seconds. So good, good on Zion, and that was absolutely incredible to watch. The Pelicans unfortunately lost a game that was pretty important to a divisional rival that is also ahead of them in the race for the eighth seed. And they were, they were plus in in Zion's few minutes that he played. And then, you know, they were outscored in the minutes that he didn't play drew and Brandon Ingram had a pretty rough game. And again, the story was similar uh, against the nuggets. Zion had a pretty effortless 15 point outing. He, Shot amazingly efficient from the field. He looked like he was getting whatever he wanted, and he still looks like he's only moving about sixty percent of the speed that he was moving in preseason. in In my opinion, May, well, maybe not, because uh, in preseason I don't think he was fully trying as well. Maybe sixty percent of the speed we've seen him move at Duke, and I don't think that's, that's from an injury or conditioning standpoint. I think that's just a hey, let me figure this out. Let me figure out how to operate my body in this sea of NBA bodies. And, you know, when, when he gets used to this game speed, he'll, he'll turn it on. And as he's learning to trust his body uh, more, he'll, he'll, he'll turn it on more. And so we, we definitely see flashes of insane athleticism or, or, or motor from him. I think in the, in the Spurs game, we saw him just absolutely sky Yaka Pertl for a rebound. And then he sent a block to like the 15th row against the Nuggets in so that is that is all very much there. I'm, I'm extremely yep. excited about that, but I think I guess let's start talking about how some of the guys are, are fitting in, in in with Zion. The Pelicans have been starting Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson and, and Derek Favors. What have been your thoughts on on that combo uh, so far? And you know Drew and BI have, have struggled these last two games, and do you think it is an adjustment thing? Do you think it's a spacing thing? What do you think is going on with those guys?
0: Yeah, uh, so one, one quick comment on Zion that I wanted to get to just because just from – and so I, I'll you – know, full transparency, I have not caught up on last night's game. I've watched the Zion highlights and how he got his points. We had our office holiday party. We do that – we do it in January rather than December because it's easier to find places in downtown Chicago to do it. Um, and so I haven't, I haven't had a chance to, to watch the game. However, one thing that jumped out to me – I mean, a couple things, obviously the rebounding and, and free throws from last night, but, but I, I went to look at Zion's shot chart and you could easily see a guy kind of still getting back into it, um, over relying on the three because of how well he shot it in his first game. And the fact that I, that Zion's shot chart is just, it's one three from the top of the key and there's everything else in the paint. And so that's uh, and that one that's kind of, there's one that's kind of far from the rim in the paint. And that was, I mean, it was the turnaround jumper that he hit. And so it's It's just he's he's getting his shots in the right places he didn't fall in love with a three pointer just because he was hitting it in one game you could You could easily make that case for some guys to 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 do that as they're getting back in the swing of things and he didn't and so I think that was you know it, again it speaks to the kind of player he is and the way he wants to score and and so that's I think it's pretty exciting but um as as far as the fit i think it's- I mean it's a combination I, I think this is a hard thing and it was you could see it in the preseason this was hard for brendan and Zion to really figure out how they're going to play off each other and play together. And I think, and, and I still stand by the fact that what we talked about what to expect when Zion returned. And I said, I, I, I fully expect Zion to Brandon to help Zion. the fact that um, we we've seen Ingram be more of an attacker than maybe we expected. Obviously we knew Ingram was a good isolation player, but I don't think we expected him to really be this, this type of uh, kind of almost, almost uh, point guardish in his ability to drive and either kick or drive and, and, and get a look inside. And Zion could be the guy to go clean up any, any misses. And so I thought there's there's obviously going to be some synergies there between those two. And I, it's the other, the more important thing I think is, um, and I think this is something you want to get to as well is how we create space for the other guys when, when, when those two are together. So, I mean, there's going to be an adjustment period. I'm not, I'm not concerned about those two fitting together in the long term, but it's, it's some of the other stuff around it that may be concerning. So,
1: I'm going to say one stat, and uh, clearly it's not predictive, but it definitely kind of goes against the eye test uh, that we've been seeing. And there's a lot for us to figure out before we kind of make a decision here. But the the starting lineup, Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson has played 16 minutes together. It's the most played lineup the Pelicans have had in the last two games since Zion is back. And they have a net rating of plus twenty. Twenty point six to be exact. If the offensive rating of 120.6. That's elite. They have a defensive rating of 100, That's elite. But it's looked pretty ugly <laughs> 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 when I've seen them play. I mean, the first I, I I guess the Pelicans have been doing well in those minutes. Now, what's what's contrasting is when when Zion goes out and they sub him with jj reddick and then you, you you play that four-man lineup that really struggled in the beginning of the season the jj reddick Drew holiday lonzo ball brandon ingram and favors lineup mm-hmm. and they've also played 16 minutes over the last two games and they're negative 34.3 yeah. and and that's a lineup they they started the season with before they, they started tinkering with with kenridge and 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 now, you know, they, they've had a recent slate of good games, but a lot of those guys have been in and out of the lineup. So it's, it's been unclear if, if that's even an effective lineup. But I, I think, I don't know if I buy that, you know, Drew and B.I. are struggling as, as much as I just think that's a bad lineup. Here's the stats for the whole season, actually. And they've played 12 games. They uh, have lodged 133 minutes, that lineup. But J.J. Redick and, and Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday and Derek Favors and Brandon Ingram has an offensive rating of 110.9, a defensive rating of 117.7. They're a negative 6.8 per 100 possessions. Yeah. A negative 6.8 for the whole season. And people are be like, well, you know, this means J.J. sucks. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think it means J.J. sucks. I mean... I think it means we know
0: who's saying we know who's saying it's (laughs) because JJ sucks. Let's get beyond that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it means that's just a terrible lineup of guys who don't fit together because what's happening there is, well, okay, well, they want Lonzo to run the point guard. And so it's like, okay, he's trying to run the point guard. Drew and BI are people that naturally need the ball in their hands. So they're kind of trying to figure out how to play off the ball and there's things they need to do to get to get used to that situation and then, then they end up taking the ball in their own hands and that put lonzo off the ball and then you're like okay well what's the useful lonzo there and then jj reddick is a 13 and dollar decoy in those lineups because they run it's difficult for them to find shots for him in that structure given what drew and bi are doing and given that lonzo play makes in the way that he play makes and and you know favors is just t- you know ideally you want JJ and favors playing together and, and running a lot of handoffs and and finding ways for Reddick to get shots off, off a lot of those screens but with all four of those guys I I I, I don't know I didn't see it uh at, at the beginning of the season I don't really see it now I think the, the rotation pattern for Alvin Gentry is going to become a lot easier when he's not restricted to playing Zion in, in four or five-minute bursts because then he can have a true substitution pattern and, mm-hmm. and they can have a, a true lineup and, and play stagger guys the way they need to stagger them to, to mm-hmm. sort of balance out their skill sets. Because, look, J.J. has only played five minutes with Zion and all five of those minutes came in the fourth quarter of last night which were the Pelicans won those minutes, but they won them in, in a way you win like a war of attrition. Like they, the Nuggets sucked during that stretch, and the mm-hmm. Pelicans also sucked during that stretch because they kept on turning the ball over. So the Pelicans need, will figure out their rotation, but that, that's something they, they definitely need to,
0: to work on. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was just looking at some of the numbers you were, what you were referring to on cleaning the glass instead of – you're on NBA stats, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it, it looks a lo- little less gloomy on clean the glass. So if you remove garbage time, so Lonzo, Drew, JJ, Brennan, and Favors is um, 286 possessions, which is hilarious. That's the highest lineup played together for the Pelicans this year. I'm sure that's got to be towards the bottom of the league. And like, in terms of how many possessions has your most frequently used lineup played together, that's got to that's be near the bottom. Um, but because um, that's effectively what, like uh, almost three full games together and how many Games played this season, like forty-five, so not great. But um, yeah, they're a net minus four point six, so it's not quite as bad. But it's also like it's you're, 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 yeah, you're you're an above-average offensive team, and you're a garbage defensive team with that lineup. And so, um, and and it's it is it's frustrating that that's where it's. And obviously, that you know the defense leads to offense, and, and vice versa. There's some, there's some interconnectivity there, but the fact that that lineup feels like if you look at the guys there coming into the season, I don't think any of us would have expected that lineup to be bad on the on the defensive side i i, I and maybe maybe i'm just being naive but i mean St. drew favors favors there and then but you know, those we'll, we'll, are your we'll, only two good defenders i mean yes lonzo's well, I mean, been a lot better yeah, now lonzo but on reputation i guess and then he, ingram, he, he wasn't he
1: wasn't good in the beginning of the year he's been a lot he's been a lot better now i, can, I cannot yeah. uh overstate this but like ingram yeah. ingram is one of the people aren't going to like to hear this but ingram <laughs> is one of the worst defenders for his position he is Mm-hmm. and and a lot of he's a that matchup is, defender
0: i think I w- that's what i would call him. well
1: he's a matchup defender no i'm not going to say that because i i think what, what it, a lot of that is ingram devotes a lot of resources to uh functioning and carrying the offense for for mm-hmm. the pelicans and that's important so there's yep. there's a little bit less left over but a, a, a part of that is is he has very slow recognition of play development and he's he's slow to rotate. And if you put him one-on-ones, he doesn't have the foot speed to guard smalls and he doesn't have the strength to guard bigger players. So he's a matchup defender in the sense that it's difficult to find the right matchup for him. And I project his future defensively to be that of a typical high usage stars where they just kind of defend the guy that's in the corner where they defend the lowest usage perimeter player, The opponent has. I mean, LeBron did it for years in Cleveland. Like, you know, there was a whole playoff series against the Celtics, and he just stood in the corner defending Jay Crowder. He's like, "All right, Jay Crowder, just do what you do what you need to do." And you know, they 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 do this with Harden. They do this with with Devin Booker. They do this with Donovan Mitchell. It's not every. I mean, like Lillard. Every star in the league does this because there's very few two way stars that are going to get up. And and own a matchup and guard the best player the second best player, which it's, is fine. You can yeah, it's, it's LeBron. List.
0: Like that's that's the list, and that's only because and that's only when LeBron feels like it, right? <laughs> I
1: mean, a, a Kawhi, Kawhi. Paul okay, yeah, George. fair enough. Yep, yep. Um, but you know, and and, and and you know, Jimmy, Jimmy likes to to do those things as well. But again, that there isn't a big list, and that's your point, and then that's our point, and you could still build a functional good defense around a player like that, and. I just find it difficult to do when you have that, and you have JJ, and you had Lonzo and Drew like not playing up to their standards uh, earlier in the year, and Favors being hobbled. I mean, like that's just there's a lot going on there. And then you, you look at like you know who are the who were guys in that lineup that generate turnovers, and that just basically Drew and Lonzo. Like that's it, it's a weird mix for for a defensive lineup. I mean, like we've seen. The Pelicans try out good defensive lineups with Inker, and we've seen Pelicans try out good defensive lineups with, with J.J. Redick. So you can't be like these are the players that are sinking it. It's just like that group of five people is is just not a good group.
0: Yeah, yeah. So somehow, somehow we end up on this tangent of, of not even talking about Zion. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> well, you know,
1: we, I feel like there's a lot to talk about Zion. Um, in, in, in any case, but, you know, I, I do want to touch, just since we're talking about this this lineup and, and what potential solutions may be, obviously listeners of this podcast know that I've been advocating for, for it to be Lonzo to go to the bench to, to help ease things for this lineup. And you'll be happy to know I'm not going to spend time in this podcast arguing that <laughs> even though I, I still believe I want to maximize the number of minutes JJ gets with with Zion Williamson um, yep. and you know, and these, these, whatever, I'm not going to talk about this. Um, what I I do want to talk about is we predicted that this lineup would have trouble spacing things out. Yep. And, and while they've been effective offensively, we've seen, we're, we're watching drew struggle. We're watching Ingram struggle. And, and honestly, like, Frankly, Zion is doing a lot of heavy lifting um, in, in in these lineups. He's the one; his attention is the one that's creating opportunities and, and, and looks for these others. And so, Brandon Ingram had uh, a quote last night, and why you know I think Andrew Lopez asked him uh, if if why he was like what, you know like w- w- where the struggle has been in, in terms of like reacclimating. And, and Ingram said last night, you know, Denver was sending an extra man his way all night. And he just kept trying to make the right basketball play. I didn't really see any openings when I had the basketball. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that's, that's pretty damning. Uh, If, if, especially for a guy, as soft spoken as Ingram, who's not going to, and I don't think he meant anything malicious by it and saying that, you know, where I'm, it's because of the guys I'm playing alongside. Obviously that's not who Ingram is, but I think the fact that he felt comfortable enough to say that, um, says a lot. Right. And I didn't really
1: see any openings when I had the basketball. It's like, well, why? Right? And, and I think there are three reasons why. Reason number one, Lonzo Ball. I know you guys want to talk about his improved shot. Teams still do not respect him off the ball. It yep. is what it is. Reason number two, Zion Williamson. He needs space to operate in the paint. So when he doesn't have the ball and he's not setting a screen at the top of the key, he's in the dunker spot, it allows, his man, it allows someone else yep. to put another body in the paint. And, and yep. that's fine. That's a consequence you live with because Zion does so many other things, but it also contributes to Ingram not seeing any openings, especially mm-hmm. when you are playing with a guy like Lonzo Ball. Reason number three, Derek Favors. When you are playing with both Derek Favors and Zion Miller. I was going to say two and
0: three are connected, right? Yeah. Two
1: and three. All three are connected, right? They, these effects multiply. So, like, each player you introduce in a lineup that a defense doesn't have to respect, I don't think the effect is linear. I think it's exponential in terms of the spacing you have, in, in terms of the lanes that are available to you. So, when you're playing the trio of Lonzo, Zion, and Derek Favors, you're not going to have much space, and it's going to yeah. lead to situations where Drew and B.I. just don't know how to operate, and they, and they end up taking bad shots. So here's my proposal, Pelicans fans uh, and, and Laker fans who listen to this podcast. <laughs> I think it's easier to mitigate spacing issues for Lonzo and Zion because they're more perimeter-oriented players. And so you can get more creative with them and use space in, in effective ways, despite them not being major outside threats. And they're, they're still, you know, if you leave them open, they're both going to take that shot. Favors is not going to take that shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know where you're going. And I would say just before you get to that point, I think it's, I think another reason it's easier is, is because those two guys are in theory, above average rebounders for their positions. And so you've got to you've got to make up and and if if and it depends on where you're going with the favors point. So maybe I jumped in too early. But um, the, the fact that you you got Lonzo and Zion are guys who are gonna be able to rebound the basketball. You've got to you've got to rely on them for that. You can't just have I mean it's it's a it's a tough position for Gentry as someone who wants to push the ball in any situation and just get out and run. But if you're gonna go small, you've got to have those guys helping on the glass, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like these guys are are people that can, can help you. I mean, I think, you know, with Lonzo Ingram and and Zion, you you have enough rebounders to be a a competent rebounding team depending on, you know, should be irrelevant to the big that you put out there. I, I think that that's very possible, but where I wanted to go with this is, um, I want to know what the future of Derek Favors is on this team. I think before these two games, it was kind of a no-brainer of of how important Derek Favors was to this team. We saw how bad they were without him. We saw how good they are with him. And him being able to terminate possessions by rebounding, him being able to just be a smart defensive player that's in the correct position – that turned things around for the pelicans over this past stretch but here are a couple of things i want to point out point number 1 zion has played almost 50% of his minutes at center already yeah right he's averaging about 20 minutes a game 19 minutes a game or something he's playing between 9 to 10 minutes a game at center already okay the Pelicans have been very good with him at center already. Obviously, it's way too early to make any predictive claims, but I think anyone who kind of followed Zion in college and when they drafted him, and there was just a lot of chatter on, on how the future of unlocking him is him being able to play minutes at the center. Yep. And the Pelicans, who I thought would be hesitant to lean into that, have completely embraced it already. Yep. I mean, half of his minutes are. coming how, there.
0: how much of that do you think is is the matchups that they played against, and how much of it is do you think? I, uh, is it going to continue into the future at this rate?
1: I think it will completely continue into the future. I don't think there is a single bench center yep. that. I, I
0: agree. I just want to see where you were at on that.
1: Yeah. So I, the way they've been doing it is they're starting the second and fourth quarters with it, and I don't. Again, I don't think there's a single center off the bench that. Zion should be scared of, or but, that can even hope yeah. to contain Zion.
0: But I mean, um, the, the other thing is that this is not, the, the the minutes that he's playing right now are not going to continue in the future, right? Like how he's how he's being how his minutes are being distributed, just because of the the restrictions on him right now. So, like maybe
1: if- maybe they will. I mean, like think about it this way, right? So let's say he plays the first six minutes. Uh, let's say he plays the first eight minutes of the first quarter when he's fully healthy, right? So that's eight minutes right there. It's four minutes break before the next quarter starts. You insert him in the second quarter. You play him in, in in a four or five minute burst, take him out and then play him in another three minute burst to close that quarter. That's about 16 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can do the same in, in the third and fourth quarters where you play him six to eight minutes um, to, to start the the third quarter, rest mm-hmm. him till the end of the quarter, start the fourth with him out there, play him four minutes or so. Give him another or four, three, four minute rest, and then close the game. Like play the last five minutes with him, and you get him around thirty-one to thirty-three minutes right there.
0: Yeah, but only ten of those are as a center, right? Sure. Yeah, I think so, it's it, fine. Yeah.
1: Okay. That, that that's that you know that's that's with with the way the team is constructed now, and I'm
0: sure. So you just made the Jackson Jackson Hayes hive pretty upset with that distribution. <laughs>
1: well, that's the next point I want to get to. Is okay? Let's say. Over the next two years, Zion is a player that averages about 33 minutes a game. Right, that's that's fair. I, I I don't think they want him to be a 36 minute game player. I think he'll play. You know, I think he'll have games where he plays over 40, just because that's where the way this you know, the game is going. But I think they'd like to keep him kind of like where Giannis is at at the moment. I mean, Giannis is barely playing 30 minutes, but, so it's like where AD was too. Yeah, um, and I think AD ended up playing a lot like a lot heavier minutes as as his career went on. But you know, right. the first few years. And, you keep You keep the minutes low um, so let's say he plays thirty three ish minutes a game. let's say about a third of that comes at him at center, so let's say ten ten to eleven minutes I think that's that's fair, right mm mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah so, so you have forty eight minutes available at the center position let's say let's say to keep the math simple he he gets ten right mm-hmm. so that leaves you with thirty eight minutes
0: mm-hmm.
1: Hayes is a one-positional player. You're yep. not playing him at power
0: forward. Can you? <laughs> no. Is there any? Is there any universe moving forward that that he can play any minutes at a position besides the five?
1: No, I mean like the the the, the way you're doing it is like okay. Let's say you get a stretch big, but if you're getting a stretch big, then is that per, is that stretch big going to be bigger? and, and going to match up against the bigger guys, then I mean, I, I, I think functionally he's going to be the center of that lineup, no matter who, what, what big you get. Mm-hmm. He, so, so to keep it simple, let's say Hayes is a one positional player. And, and, and if we have to find exceptions to the rule, then, you know, it's not worth discussing those exceptions. Yep. But, um, so he, let's say he's a one position player. He's averaging how many minutes per game right now? Let's see.
0: Jax? Yeah. Uh, it's I that's a probably a weird stat to use because it's very var- his variance has been one sure, of the highest 15 but But
1: we're 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 going to we're going to just use his baseline. He's averaging 19.5 minutes per game. Almost I was 20. Guess 20. So yeah, that makes sense. 20 minutes a game. I think it's completely fair to expect that he plays twenty minutes per game next year with little variance. With with less variance than he has this year. So, like this year, Mm -hmm. he he might play like thirty one game and like ten another game. I think next year, his second year, as he's bigger, stronger, more experienced, you could easily pencil him in for twenty.
0: Yep. Easily. It's a math problem. Getting to be a math problem here.
1: (laughs) It it, it sure is. It sure is. So, you were left so with eighteen minutes to give to your other center. Mm Mm-hmm. Eighteen minutes. Okay. Do you want to pay Derek Favors, who is a free agent, to play eighteen minutes a game? And you can be like, okay, well, Derek would would take more minutes than Jackson, and he'll probably play like twenty five or so. Okay, how long do you want to keep stunting Jackson's growth? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're already starting to see these 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 fit problems, right? Yeah. And so, and if you're yeah. Derek Favors. First of all, you're not going to come cheap, right? I'm thinking he's going to get at least three years, $60 million. Somewhere somewhere in that ballpark. I think that's a fair number for him. He's in his prime. A team like Atlanta, I think, would happily shell that Um, unless, yeah. you know, he, he's playing for a contender and, and, and takes a small cut. But he's in his prime. He's, his motivations are either going to be being on a successful team and or maximizing his earning potential and or both. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It's, a, and, it's just it, – it's, it's very it, – you don't really think about the difference that it makes. Like, oh, like just me not even thinking about the it favors impact. It's like, oh, well, if Zion, Zion plays 10 minutes a game at center instead of zero. That, cool. We didn't see that coming as quickly as it did. But, you know, that, I think that, that makes sense for him and his career. Then it, it almost doesn't even register that you should start thinking about the rest of the centers on the team because it's only 10 minutes. But then you say, okay, well, before you were going to have, what, favors at 25, 30 minutes a game in Jackson, 15, 20. That works. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, well, well if we're taking 10 minutes out of the center position, that actually does matter a lot when it comes to Derek Faber. So it's, it's a great point. Yes. So what I'm getting at is, is is if you're you're kind of seeing these these fit
1: issues materialize, and, and you're seeing a future where where perhaps the most optimized version of Zion Williamson is at center, and and you're seeing a future where Jackson Hayes is going to be a, a good and big, big time contributor, then how much do you want to lock in to a guy like Favors? How much can you get similar production from a much cheaper guy? Like you know, like let's say. The Golden State is in, in tax hell at the moment, right? You know, let's say you were able to take Kavan Looney off their hands. Are you, are, is there that big of a, a drop-off between Favors and Looney? From a girth perspective, sure. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, how much is Favors got destroyed by Jokic last night? He got destroyed by Aldridge the other night how much is favors like what from, from a point of resistance standpoint, like I think the elite guys are always going to be elite guys and it's going to be more of a team game plan rather than an individual that's, that's slowing those down. And, you know, like I, I think you can't factor in those type of matchups. I think you still need a big body to on, on at the end of your bench that that is going to be able to step up and, and, and absorb some of those minutes when, when you need to, when there's injuries and whatnot, but, if I'm looking at locking in uh, a big man for the next three years, uh, for the remaining three years of, of Zion's rookie-scale contract, like is, is that big man Derek Favors? Especially, you know, like it's clear this team wants to invest in Lonzo. So if this team is investing in Lonzo, and, and they should, they need to figure out if, if Lonzo and, and Zion and Ingram and, and, and that group of players can work together, you need to play them you need, you need to give them minutes. That's understandable. So yeah. it, it, if you're doing that, I, I just don't see a future where where Derek Favors is is a long time Pelican. And in fact, um, I I would I would want to go the other way. I would I would want to get a stretch big. I I would legitimately want to get a different style of big because Hayes is going to get bigger and going to take a lot of those traditional center minutes.
0: So- And so I want a player that can play with the both of Hayes and Zion. Um, How much that your, your comment got me thinking about like who it would be. And so, yeah, I, I mean, first of all, I, I agree. Like it's, I, in the sense that I'm, I'm a little, I push back a little bit on the notion how much differences are between favors and Looney. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on favors. I, I feel like I have been all season, but the fact that, um that Zion from essentially not just year one but game one is already playing minutes at the center I don't think it's something I expected and and as a result there yes you you I still would love favors on this team but you can't ask favors to take a pay cut and play 20 minutes per game just because it fits your team better it's not going to happen And so I'm 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 very much aligned on the maybe even moving him at the deadline because a team would value his bird rights and that's something that um and the Pelicans could Recoup an asset or, or, or two for and so I'm starting. The wheel's are already spinning on who that player is, and, and there's a, there's a guy, there's an estranged player out in the northwest who um, who kind of fits that bill, and you could probably get some money. You should probably you could probably get something in addition to him. Uh, you know, um, so thinking about a guy like Dwayne Dedman, is that is that is that a is that a fit in your opinion? And I mean, especially yeah, if you I mean, can trade favors for him and and, and get Dedman and something else too.
1: Well, I mean, I think it'd have to be a, a three-way trade where it it sends favors to like let's say the Clippers and the Clippers send some expirings like Harkless or whatnot up to Sacramento, yep. and then you get mm-hmm. you get Deadman and whatever the hell back. Uh, that's a cool construction. I think I think mm-hmm. you can do that. I I don't see Deadman and, and Hayes being able to play together. No, definitely not. Um, I I don't think so. So I think if I want to lock in a big, I would want one that can play with both my my front court young boys. So, really. That's yeah, interesting. I, I I think so. I, 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 w- I want that to be the future. I mean, again, I'm not going to be upset if, if they, they go get, get Deadman and, okay, okay, he's our stopgap. He's, he's going to be our player until Hayes is okay. with mm-hmm. um, That's t- That's a perfectly fine strategy. I think he gives you a little bit more versatility yeah. than, than, than Favors does offensively and gives you in a close approximate of, of what he can do from a rebounding and, and defensive standpoint just by being not Julia Okafor. Um, that's, that's, that's a perfectly fine move. I think uh, this, is, this is something I'm going to put out there. Uh, I've already been talking about this, and you guys are going to hate me because uh, you're going to be like, oh, you've turned into Fletcher. And, and I, think, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think Fletcher made a really, really good trade proposal um, last night. And so I, I would not mind – I would absolutely not mind if the Pelicans acquired Kevin Love. Wow. I didn't, I didn't hear any like, a... uh,
0: I mean, I, I need to hear more because I still don't love that contract. He's on, <laughs> And, and he's not really going to be, I mean, he'll help you on the glass. He's not going to help you defensively. So, but keep going. I'm listening.
1: So m- the idea with Kevin Love is like, okay, one, he can play with both of your, your players Two. He gives you everything Favors gives you from a rebounding standpoint. Um, He gives you everything Favors gives you offensively uh, times like seven. I think defensively, uh, especially with guys like Lonzo Drew and and Zion, they can be fine. I think they can be fine. And then I think they can be good in non-love minutes, like really good. Uh, with hayes and and or or Zion just at center, or whatever it is i don 't think defense will be that big of a concern uh i I think it's legitimate. I think there'll be certain matchups where you'll be like oh my god what 's going on But I think the Pelicans have enough size and rebounding um and I think as they play together more, those defensive schemes will allow them to cover for a lot of love 's deficiencies because you know like take for example a team pulling him out to the perimeter in in a pick and roll right you're worried about love defending in space well typically that's problematic when you don't have secondary rim protectors i think zion is going to be a pretty good secondary rim protector from the weak side i think lonzo and drew have already shown propensity to to make those sort of plays even bi has has rotated from the weak side to help so i think the Pelicans can can situate themselves in ways where they can mask a lot of those def- uh, defensive weaknesses Love has. And if they play a very principled defense, like these are the shots that we're going to allow. And, and these are the shots that we're going to work to take away on more nights than others. They will be more than fine defensively. That, that's my thought um, with them defensively. Offensively, I think it's a whole different ball game. I think obviously – it completely opens up the paint for Zion and Drew and B.I. And I think, in fact, I think it makes Lonzo's game better. I don't think Favors benefits from Lonzo's style of pick and role playing where he hits you with an early pocket pass. I think if you have Kevin Love picking and popping, that's going to go extremely well with, with Lonzo's style of playmaking. And, and and Kevin Love is a really good playmaker himself as a big man. And, and you're going to have five guys – on the floor who can pass, who can make plays for others at an above average level for their position.
0: And I think the offensive potential for that is, is absolutely absurd. So what, at what point do we talk about the fact that he's going to make $30 million in 22, 23? So let's, let's,
1: that... let's, let's talk about that.
0: Okay. Um, I've
1: already been on board for advocating for a Chris Paul trade who makes a lot more than Kevin Love. Uh, I think the cap goes up about five to eight percent every year, sometimes ten percent. Love is on a deal that is flat for the next two years yeah. and then decline, yeah, okay. and, and then and then declines. Um so it's opportunity cost for me just sure just sure. Clear. That that I think the biggest issue with trading for love is is opportunity cost because it's like okay, you're gonna need sa- outgoing salary to get, get that guy. And I like now if you were to do the trade now the outgoing salary would be two expiring contracts. Derek Favors and, and Etwan Moore. I don't think it'd be a one-to-one trade. I, th- I still think Favors ends up somewhere else and a contender, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. going to be from, from a salary outgoing pr- perspective. And then maybe even Frank Jackson, that's three expiring contracts, right? You're not going to get those salary slots back so easily unless you're re-signing these guys to um, reasonable deals over the next couple of years. So you're still filling you're still filling the salary slot that Kevin Love would fill. The question is like, you know, are, are two or three or two or three guys that you put in, in, in that money um, going to give you more than what Kevin Love gives you. And I'm not entirely sure because I think the Pelicans have younger players who need to be getting those minutes that you would fill with those two or three guys, because like more doesn't really need to be getting minutes right now. Right. So let's take him out of the equation you're, you're going to have guys like Didi come in and you're going to have your own draft pick next year. You're going to have other young players um, who you need to continue to develop. And I think the Pelicans then have a pipeline of young developmental players who fill into role players um, rather than trying to find the same role players in, in free agency with an MLE. Like, they're going to be an above-the-cap team anyway. So, like, their mechanisms for getting these guys are, like, the MLE and in the biannual sure. exception.
0: But also, like, so they're they're going to be an above the cap team in the near term. But now, what you're doing with the Kevin Love trade is that you're saying through 22, 23, you're essentially not players in free agency for any. And I know, and you can say whatever you want about the history of this pet franchise not being a destination for free agents, and I think that's a absolutely fair claim. And we've even said it in terms of going get guys like Kevin Love or trying to trade for guys like Kevin Love, who maybe are overpaid, but still, like, it's you're in a small market, this what this. But I, I just, I think it's the Zion era now and I, I don't want to just assume that's going to be the case. And so, I mean, in 22, 23, you're looking at favor, or, or sorry, uh, Kevin Love getting close to 30 million. Um, you'll have Ingram at over 30 million. And then, um, you know, between the rooks, assuming you, you, you buy into all three of those guys. It's another, I mean, obviously Zion, but, but I'm looking at like the the contracts for Jackson and nah, not that you couldn't move those guys if you needed to, but it's just, it's just basically saying that we are, we are not going to be free agency players for the first four years of Zion's career. And that, I mean, and maybe, maybe I'm going uh, overboard here. I know you could probably, I mean, you, you can say what you want about, okay, we can just move off Love's expiring deal a year early, but also if there are other teams that want to be free agent players in that year, that might not be yet easy. So here's my pushback.
1: Here's my pushback. I don't think free agency has mattered for the four, first four years of any superstars career, not Kevin Durant, not LeBron James, not Chris Paul. Not any of these young stars that are on terrible teams right now. Not Anthony Davis. I can't think of an example in history where a guy has been a star on a rookie scale contract and, and there's been an outside established star that's looking to win a ring. That's like, you know what? I'm going to go play with that guy.
0: So I, uh, I, I, I would need to think back to those situations to, and not that I'm saying you're wrong. And, I, I, and, I would, and again, and, and that's one point. The second point is I don't right. think
1: you're completely punting on free agency. Trades are always a thing. You, you know, you still have to decide what you're doing with drew in two years, mm-hmm. whether you're, you're moving him for more depth or whether you're just letting him walk or you're trying to extend yeah. him, whatever the case you're doing with drew, that's still a decision you have to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that'll color what you're going to do in the future. Um, Love, I think, will be movable, uh, especially in his final year. I think you need salary-like love to go get another guy like, I don't know, maybe Carl anthony Towns or Devin Booker that may get on. Um, or who?
0: Or her, wait, where is, where's the name drop?
1: Or Bradley Veal. There we go. All right. I was worried about you for a second, man. <laughs> I was like, who, who am I supposed to mention here? <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think you need that. So, like, yes, I think there's a very real concern about punting on free agency. I think historically with this franchise and with every franchise, really, um, major free agent acquisitions happen when the star is on a second contract.
0: Yeah, and so, and I, and I, I think that's fair. At the same time, my, my thought was that, you know, if there's any point in time to strike with a big name free agent, it's right before you sign Zion to that second contract. Oh, so, for sure,
1: for sure. Yeah, and, and, so but here's the thing is like, I think the pelicans have so many assets that if it got to the point they could dump love if they want to and and that's not the ideal way of going about it but sure. then if but but at that point your 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 logic is this well if a tier 1 star wants to come play with, with with Zion Williamson then my price of getting that tier 1 star is giving up a like a first round pick to move Kevin Love then that's a price well worth paying you know, like yeah. that's not something you, you, you consider. So I, I think salary concerns are real from an opportunity cost standpoint. Uh, I, I think I am comfortable saying that the Pelicans um, are not going to be great, greatly impacted one way or another by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I to be, yeah, that was always my concern. I never, in terms of Love's contract, I don't think it's, and, and especially because it, of the way it's constructed, like it's a lot of money. But at the same time, I don't see it being crippling, like to the tune of you know you you pay Ryan Anderson twenty million dollars to sit on the bench. Like I don't think that'll ever be the situation for uh, for, for Kevin Love. Um, well, it, Kevin Love, those injury concerns. That's right.
1: Well, that's that's the second the second major concern with Kevin Love is his injury history. Right. He has not been the most healthy player in his career, and so what you'd be banking on is Intel. I mean, Griff has already has a lot of Intel on, on his, his injury Um, history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From when he acquired him from Minnesota, from when he played uh, for him in, in Cleveland, Griff Griff knows. So if this is a move that Griff is making, it's a move out of confidence, right? I don't have that information.
0: Yeah. His game, his game age as well. Right. I mean, that's, that's a guy he's, he's, he he relies almost zero on athleticism. He, uh, and it's, it's, iq it's instinct it's you know understanding how and where to be on the glass and i mean and i don't don't think his shot is going to go anywhere so yeah
1: he's just one of those players that is like the the token that player that you know three years from now they're gonna be like wow like aaron nelson really extended my career like he's (laughs) that that is kevin love you know that and and i think you know like getting him out of cleveland will do wonders for his uh mental health as well um so I mean that's that's I, this year on, on a Cavs team he's averaging 17 points, and 10 rebounds, and, and three assists, um, and he's only playing like 31 minutes a game. And and this is on a Cavs team that is one of the lowest IQ teams, and like you've seen the clips of his like emotional outbursts, um, where Colin Sexton and or Darius Garland just have no idea. <laughs> how to run an NBA offense, or find the open man, or just do anything. So, like, he's pure comedy
0: to watch in in Cleveland right now. Um, Garland's ticking up a little bit. I mean, he's still having some woeful shooting nights, but I think he's start, he's starting to put things together. I can't say as much for for Sexton, but um, but yeah. no, it's it's still overall a mess. That's not me saying it's not a mess.
1: So so there was a question in in our slate of questions that uh, was sent to us today about about this Kevin Love trade. And, and I want to touch on it, and it's from our, our good friend, uh, Ryan Ryan J, uh, Jatho. Jatho? You, 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 Ryan, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce uh, your, your last name. But here, let me, let me pull up the question. I don't want to mince it. So go in depth about why you think Kevin Love would work over favors and if it's worth losing Etuan's locker room presence. Well, I think we already kind of talked about the, the on-court fit for, for Kevin Love um and i think you know going back to his ability to play with both jackson and, and zion already makes it a plus uh over favors in that regard i mean if you think about how available favors has been for the pelicans this year and and you know, like how, how much value has he truly provided and how much value is that just by him not being Julia really local for i think that's a fair question um but the second part of the question is if it's worth losing Etwan's locker room presence. Well, yes. In, in short, absolutely. One, you know, Love brings his own locker room presence, uh, which is Love is one of Griff's favorite human beings. So I think there's no issues there, despite um, what's going on in Cleveland. Two, I don't see any reality where Etwan's on this team in the like in in, in six months in. After free agency, like what, why would the Pelicans want to retain him? They have so many minutes they need to give to young guards, to Nikhil, to Didi, um, more minutes to Lonzo himself, a uh, JJ still on the team, and, and until he's not, like you know, I don't think one is ever going to be a deciding factor uh, in terms of no, we don't want to make this trade ever. That and and. I guess that's, that's the old me speaking about each one.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's a, it's, it's a combination of, I know, I I get, and we've talked on this podcast this season about how you need to balance vets with young guys. And um, I understand that there are concerns about, you know, moving each one or, or other guys for that reason. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree with your point on Kevin. I mean, you can see, I, I mean, you, the, the situation. I wonder if fans have concerns about Love's ability to be a mentor because of what's happening in Cleveland, but I don't. That's not. That's not a concern that I have. I think it's just a perfect storm of events. That's really. Um you know frustrated Kevin and it's certainly not I don't think that's something you would see here I mean it's just the team is just so so young in Cleveland it's way it's way in and it's weird to say that compared to New Orleans because the team is young in New Orleans but it's a whole different beast in in Cleveland I'm not that doesn't concern me
1: how much fun is Kevin going to have playing from Colin Sexton to Lonzo Ball
0: (laughs) yeah um and that's it. I'm proud of you for making that comment <laughs> and, and giving, uh, giving <laughs> I mean, Lonzo a shot. Look out.
1: Look, Lonzo, Lonzo is really good at, at finding the biggest vulnerability um, for the opposing defense. So he's really good at striking at the most deadliest spot. And, and if he sees Kevin Love in those situations, and, man, I'll tell you, Kevin Love is really good at those early shot clock seal-outs um, and we didn't even talk about his outlet passes. Like, can you imagine Kevin Love outletting to Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram or, or any of these guys? Like, this that's going to be basketball So many connectors. <laughs> so <laughs> many connectors. All the connectors leading to Zion. I mean, yes. like, you're going to create what I think would be an on-crack version of Dwight's Orlando teams, where where you just have all these super talented passers that are able to get Zion the ball, but also these guys are, are fantastic individual scorers. Um,
0: yeah, is, is, is there a light version of uh, that you've seen around the league that you would be interested in? Of yeah, so of, of Kevin. So let's let's say we don't go down that path because of because of his long term contract. What's the what's the light version of that that you could see?
1: The light the light version of that is is Derek Favors and Etuan Moore to the Miami Heat. And Kelly Olynyk and Justice
0: Winslow back to the Pelicans. I'm all about that, and that, and we've talked about. Um, and I missed this conversation happening with you guys earlier this week in the group chat. But um, but yeah, I mean, I've been I've been high on higher on Winslow than I think most of y'all. And um, so and obviously his his injury concerns over the last really full year, his his has, whole
1: career. He's yeah. I mean, the, the one it's, player it's that might be less
0: durable than Derek Favors is is probably <laughs> Justice Winslow. Yeah. But I mean, I, I see it with him. Um, and, I, and I get, there's a, probably a, there's a major concern about a fit with Lonzo and, and that, but, but I, I would certainly. Well, to it, me, like justice
1: addresses those like two major needs the Pelicans have is, is a bench playmaker. Um, and the yeah sure. Nikhil is probably going to grow into that role, but Nikhil is also super talented off the ball and you're not going to want him on the mm-hmm. ball a hundred percent of the time. It's, Kind of been a disaster at moments, um, despite his flashes. And so you're going to have a bench playmaker. You're going to have a legitimate defensive wing that you can deploy um, throughout the game. And, and you know, if, if Ingram goes down or anything, you have a replacement to take those minutes. Um, and then you have someone that can enable a Zion at center lineup. With, from from a defense and, and rebounding standpoint. So like if you, if you're closing line, I mean this isn't fantastic shooting, but there's enough passing and offense to to make this work. If your closing lineup is Lonzo, Drew, um, Ingram, Winslow, and Zion, I mean that's a tough tough defensive lineup. Yep. And and there is enough speed and mobility and offensive um, skill there to to get the job done offensively. I mean like you're gonna pack the paint against those guys, but you're gonna be like it's, it's going to be a bunch of smalls who pack the paint, and so like anytime you play a bunch of smalls, like that's a win for Zion blameson and and you're going to have Ingram still being able to shoot over those guys, so it, it'll be fine offensively. I think yeah. you got are talented enough to make it work, and, and obviously Kelly Olynyk is necessary for salary purposes. He'll be your token starter um, and white guy apparently, Fletcher. Gosh, um, <laughs> no comment. But he'll be your your token uh, starter that, and you know he's he's a decent passer too. Um, and he's not—he's not the shooter Kevin Love is, but it seems like defenses love respecting white guys on the perimeter. So he gives you a lot of similar, <laughs> gives you a lot of the similar spacing. Um, I mean, like look, you remember, like Monty Unis. Like Monty Unis couldn't shoot worth shit. Wow, what a name drop. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I mean, like defenses would fly at him, and and so I think it's it's similar with with Kelly Olenek, who isn't—he isn't a bad shooter. He just isn't—he isn't Kevin Love. and um and so he he would be the guy that kind of like you know you're you're okay playing small minutes and then he's he's a pretty decent passer so that that would be that would be it and you're concerned about a linux rebounding ability but you're hoping that zion and team can gang rebound the hell out of that ball i still think if if kevin love
0: had one less year on his contract that would be the best trade out there Yep, I, I completely agree with that with that rationale. Um what I mean we one guy we haven't talked about in a while, um, that has what kind of came up earlier in the season is Miles Turner.
1: I, I'm um, I'm all the way out of the Miles
0: Turner train. Really? Yeah, I mean, I'm all the way He's out. he's he's another like, guy, like he's he's a career he's having a down year right now shooting the three ball. But I mean he's 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 a career th- Yeah, thirty five point six percent three point shooter. He can he can help you out enough there, I think. I, I just um, think he
1: gets in the way of Jackson Hayes' development, and he's actually okay. not, he's not that good. Like, I mean, I, I, again, I want I want a big that can play with Jackson as as well, and, and I don't think Turner can. And and I think he is good defensively, good in those drop situations, and then you get to good teams in the playoffs, and he I think he's the type of defensive player that gets played off the floor, like like O'Bear. That's that. Those are my thoughts on on Miles Turner. Um, I think Sabonis is way better. Uh, than, oh, than I, I would
0: rather Sabonis and Turner too. I'm not, yeah, but. um,
1: But, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm out. I mean, I think the, the argument that we're having with Kevin Love was a similar argument that we had about Al Horford. And, I, you know, I think the difference was like, we're like, all right, we don't want to give Horford a four-year deal. And, and mm-hmm. acquiring Kevin Love now would be the equivalent of giving Horford that four-year deal. But it's probably going to be, and, you know, it's going to be the same price. And the difference is, you know, like Love is, like four years younger, I think three, three or four years younger than, than Horford. Um, so that's, that, that's a major thing, but it, it, a lot of the same logic applies is like, you know, they, they, they space the floor, they pass the ball. They're, they're good veteran leaders. Um, they enable the youth to, to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I would not be upset at all for Kevin Love. Now I'm going to, we've talked a lot about love, just kind of briefly touching on favors. Again, what would you say are the odds he is on this team after the deadline
0: mm, given the way that their pelicans are playing them and like i, I and similar to his minutes and how how they're being distributed um I think that there's a lot of i, I think the front office has something to say about how the kind of lineups he's playing with um Would you agree with that or no? do you think it's um like the fact that he's playing so much center already and that's you think that's part oh, Griff or, or, you know, I think that's coaching staff. Okay, I think they're wholly comfortable with it. I mean, I don't, I don't think. But wouldn't yeah. you think that Griff has to sign off on something like that? Like, oh, play play Zion at center. I mean, because I, I mean, go, yeah. So, with I, such I think a there's guy. a sign off, but I don't think it was him initiating that conversation. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's
1: like yeah, we're we're fine, but that just do it.
0: Um, yeah, and so and so, given all that, yeah, I, I'd say the odds are more likely than not that he is he's moved to the deadline just because. Uh, yeah I don't think you can you can justify giving him his next contract if you're going to be playing Zion at center so much so quickly um so i I, I think it's over fifty percent and there are teams that could definitely use him um who are in the playoff chase there they' so i i, I definitely I, I would be surprised if he's on the roster, which is such a stark turn for me even for like two weeks ago <laughs> um just because i didn't I didn't think the Zion in the five minutes would be happening yet and so um so yeah so i I say over fifty percent where are you at? I think I'm there too. I think I, it all comes back to me and
1: and I look at the available center minutes next year. And then the year after that, and and how much do I really want to pay a guy that's going to to be, I think fairly expensive to retain, especially Mm -hmm. because um, I I feel like incumbent teams that, that have bird rights on, on a guy end up overpaying to keep them anyway in, in the form of like an endowment effect. You know, like I don't want Derek favors to be, David Griffin's um, Omar Ashik. and I, I think if you sign him to a long-term deal, like that's what you're getting. Is is hmm. you 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 sign a player who has utility but diminishing utility because your best player is
0: going to end up taking um, m- minutes at that spot. I was and, about and, to and, be angry and, at that comparison, but the more I think about it, the more right I think you are.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I mean I I don't think. The NBA exists anymore where you give those type of five year deals to to role players, so I mean it'll obviously be a shorter deal than than Omar Asik. It'll probably right. be double in in monetary value um per year you know like you know Omar got like five fifty two or something where this is he he's going to get like three sixties like you know um so i I just don't want him to be the Asik of of David Griffin. And and that's my concern is is we we quickly realize like holy shit Zion's really good at this thing, and yeah. and and you you painted yourself in a corner with with Derek Favors. So yeah, yeah, I I'm I'm with you. I would say that if if that is the logical thought process, then the time to move in is now. Yeah. And 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 you in the Bird rights that we talked about would would be attractive to a contender, yeah. and you know a team like the Clippers could lock him in for the next three years and go all in with him as their court. Cause they need a guy, they, they need someone against AD, you know?
0: Yeah. AD. And did you, and I don't know if you, I think it was in Zach Lowe's recent. So the one that we, he actually praised Sabres. I think there was conversation around the, the rebounding concern for, um, for that Clippers team with, um, with Trez at the five. And so I think he answers a lot of problems that the Clippers are having right now.
1: Well, yeah. And then, and then there's like Zach Lowe, Good thing you mentioned him because on a podcast he recently mentioned he's like I think the Pelicans are going to be sellers. And what does that mean? I mean, I think yeah. process of elimination is like okay, well you have like three pieces you can sell: you have to, like, Etuan Moore, JJ Reddick, and 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 Derek Favors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew's not going anywhere. I don't. I don't think JJ is going anywhere. Just mm-hmm. just the way they talk about him
0: organizationally, but but Favors. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. And I guess it depends on how you define seller, right? I mean, in, in theory, the Pelicans could trade favors and get a guy who fits just as well, um, but maybe fits better for the future than maybe for the, the last 30 games of the season. So um, I, I am curious what sellers means uh, in this context because I don't think they're going to go and try to get more draft picks. Maybe they maybe no. they try to move one draft pick up and make one better, but I don't think they're going to. Consolidate them, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So interesting okay
1: well we hit on a lot of topics so we can wrap up here till next time we'll hit you up with a mailbag thank you for listening What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen.
0: I'm Matt. And I'm Theo.
1: And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round.
0: I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So
1: watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.